Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the History of Gear, Darren Ritten, brand archivist for Arcteryx, speaks at the 2022 Outdoor History Summit about the origins of the corporate archive, as well as opportunities and challenges of building an archive from the ground up. Just like to acknowledge that where I'm talking to you guys from in North Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, in our North Vancouver head offices, uh, we are gathered on the unceded ancestral and traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh nations, and thankful to be able to live and connect on this land. Um, so how it came about, <clears throat> the archive here at our um kind of just started with me collecting uh, collecting gear, collecting our carriage gear. Uh, I've been with the company for, this will be my 20th year coming in Febu- February of uh, 2023. So I started in 2003 in um, just the factory outlet store. I helped open the um, store. It was the first retail location. And we just started opening boxes. They were in our warehouse, uh, a lot of old gear um, that we were trying to figure out if we should, could sell it or not and how we're going to sell it. And found a lot of cool old stuff, even back then. To me, it was uh, pretty cool. And I was an avid fan of Arcteryx. Um, I was an avid outdoor fan for many years. I was, uh, previously, I was, um, I have an outdoor education background from Eastern Washington University. Even though I am Canadian, I have uh, a lot of U.S. American connections. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side are both from the U.S. And um, I'm actually Métis, um, which is a mix of First Nations um, and well, actually Sioux and Ojibwe um, and French Canadian um, from the area of Red Lake Falls, Minnesota. So <clears throat> with that, um, me collecting all this gear, I started connecting with other people in the company like Tom Dugat, who at the time was our creative director. Uh, and he wanted to start an archive um, about as well. And so we often chatted about how we we're doing this going to do this and he put out uh, an ad in twitter at the time and and facebook pages our facebook and twitter pages asking people if they want to send older product back in good condition that we would uh replace it with brand new uh a brand new product of, this, of something similar if we didn't make it anymore or the um same piece so on older alpha sv we'd, we'd, we'd uh, trade it with a brand new alpha sv we thought it was a good deal 
Um, but um, we did get some stuff back. But um, so he started collecting too. But I just, uh, as a, I just was a historian. I like history. Um, history is very interesting. I find uh, history is um, is depending on who you talk to, you get different answers of the type of history. So I find that very uh, interesting. And um, and yeah, I just started collecting and um, and then in 2019, um, just before the pandemic, actually, um, a project that Tom Duguid, he was now retired and um, just kind of working at Arcteric's uh, part-time basis. He still wanted to get this rolling and he knew I had a large collection. I had about 200 products um, plus of Arcteric's products that I collected over the 20 years that I've been here. And, um, and, and helped also because they worked in customer service and after sales um, was able to, um, customers would send the old product in and um, we would assess it and determine if we could repair it or not. If it wasn't repairable, um, I would take it and I'd repair it myself um, and, and then keep it. And so um, the, some of the most, so we, what we did was this uh, called the ARC 100 projects and um, we got, we took uh, the, the top 100 products, uh, the most iconic, innovative Arcteric here at the time, and uh, took photos, got, got some time in the photo booth, photo lab here, um, to take photos of all of these products. Then the pandemic hit, and so that was put on hold. And, um, and then, so we just waited. And then in the spring of 2021, um, in April, I was forwarded an email from our new creative director at the time, Gil Cooper. Um, and, uh, and he had a connection uh, with the um, outdoor history panel discussion uh, with Chase and Clint. And, and I think Rachel Gross was there too, and some other people, and, uh, and, and Dave from Carhartt. And just got, after watching that, I was really interested, got really kind of, uh, you know, refocused on possibility of, of starting an archive here at Arteric. Cause I always thought about it, I always talked to um, older employees about it, some newer employees, and it's, uh, it's gotten a lot of traction, a lot of interest even at that time. And then the summer of 2021, we had this arc tank, which is kind of like a shark tank. Have you ever watched on the TV program on TV? Um, it was actually started by just an employee here in IT department. And I think they got the idea from some other company in, in sharing um, what kind of things that they could do to um, get, um, get the employees um, kind of fired up and, and interested in different ways. And so this arc tank uh, competition came about and it was just uh, whoever had an idea uh, for the company um, you could you could post it and it was on this page um, that people could go to and vote on and out of the uh, 90 employees that have uh, applied or put it out the ideas um, <clears throat> in March of 2022 um, I was announced the winner of the Arc Tank competition and and that kind of spawned my new career as a brand archivist for Arcteryx and I've only been an arch archivist for Arcteryx. We've never had that position before since June of this year. So uh, lots of stuff going on. Um, I'm really just at the base, basic level of this. Um, I'm located, of course, we're located in Vancouver, BC. Um, and there's no dedicated physical space at the time, uh, but currently working on uh, some space for storage in our warehouse and also our, our warehouse or factory in uh, New Westminster. It's just a uh, kind of in a city close to Vancouver. And if you ever know, it's called the Lower Mainland. Um, it's kind of a bigger area. 
Um, and so what, is it, what do I have archived now? Currently, uh, just mostly um, apparel. Um, so soft goods, which would be um, your Gore-Tex jackets, pants, soft shells, fleece, and some prototypes that I've been able to collect. Um, hard goods, um, I'm close friends with Dan Jackson, who was one of the original um, pack designers here. And one day he came over and just dropped off like four or five big bins of, of, of uh, old backpacks. And, and um, luckily I got some harnesses. And then uh, Dave Lane, who was the person who started Arcteryx back in the day, but left the company after about six or seven years of, of, um, from the company, um, he just recently came back and, and he's uh, promised me to give some of his really old harnesses um, in the beginning, because we don't have many of them at all. The ones, the pre-vapor days, which are the thermal lamination. So that's kind of cool. I'm uh, going to be able to get those, but I don't want to collect any more stuff right now, actually, until I can get a dedicated space and where I can lock lock them up and um, and properly store them. Um, so I'm just cataloging mostly what I have so far, and I've cataloged my personal stuff. Um, yeah, and also I've collected catalogs, workbooks, and magazines that I've been collecting for years too in customer service because we we use catalogs or. Um, technical manuals, which are more like used for internal um, uh, departments to learn about the technical side of our products because our products are pretty technical. So we always get um, some pretty uh, crazy questions from customers. So um, so those are really handy for us um, as, as someone working in customer service is trying to answer those questions. Um, I've also been able to collect some digital photos and advertisements, but I'm currently working more on that with the marketing team which basically is I'm now part of the marketing team, which is kind of different for me. I've never been in marketing. I used to, used to always have a, a rivalry with them in customer service. You're like, we're the reality and you guys are the fluff and you guys just create this fluff. And, and so it's really interesting um, how I'm working with them and trying to get connected with them. And there's a lot of back and forth with the marketing team now. Um, they're constantly asking me questions about, is this historically correct information? And um, I usually have to maybe reach out if I don't know it to someone else um, that, that maybe was closer to those, those stories at the time. Um, but um, yeah, so I've helped a lot with that. So yeah, again, collection phase right now, I think I've cataloged over a thousand items so far. Um, and, um, yeah, just trying to find mostly old apparel located in the company, um, and my own, my own collection. I recently just found, um, discovered through, um, some people that used to work in after sales, um, that I had actually trained and told me that there, and you know, there was, there's some stuff and their product line develop, developers working with the, the designers and they have been, um, I didn't know this, but they have been collecting and archiving in our local warehouse for years um, since like 2016 or 2015. So um, I started uh, just perusing what's called the G drive and trying to find out where this information is and asking people in design that have been there for a while. And um, I found 60 boxes um, in the, in the, um, in the warehouse and uh, I emailed the warehouse team saying, Hey, can you find, do you know where they're located? And they took a picture of it. I wish I could show you a picture of, of where, uh, what it looks like. It's just basically a bunch of bins and they're all labeled and uh, there's even little tags on each one. And um, some of them are half, like not completely made. Some of them are, are not the finished, finished product or counter sample samples and prototypes as well. But it's kind of neat to have some of that already. 
Um, so that's another thing I'm going to add to the collection once we get a dedicated space in our warehouse. Um, currently, like I said, I work with uh, within the um, I work with design and marketing teams and also the retail teams. Um, I also do, and so yeah, we I've sent out a few things already to Chamonix. We have a, a big uh, climbing academy there every summer. And it's going on for about 15 years. And um, they were requesting some harnesses uh, for me to lend them. And so I lent them a, a couple of harnesses and uh, a, a 1998 LFSV, which I still waiting to come back because actually I found out once the, the festival was over um, in end of July, they sent it to the um, Piccadilly store in London for an event there. So retail, sometimes um, they do like a history wall in some of the stores um, around the world. And I lend things out to them. So I've lent that same jacket to them. And then um, also the Squamish Climate Academy, which is really big. It was just at the end of August here. Um, I collected a bunch of our harnesses and lent them out to our marketing teams and just to display them. And then um, Dave Lane was up there talking about um, their little, he had a little talk with some of the other original uh, climbers our designers and climbers back in the, uh, in our terrace. So that was kind of cool. And, and talked about the early days of our terrace and how it started. And um, yeah, it was really neat to do, to do that. And I've got, I've uh, luckily got all of them back and um, actually got some more from that. And then also um, another benefit, which I'm kind of just jumping into um, from that would be um you know, it just tells a story of our, from our, to our guests and also to employees. A lot of employees that start with the company don't know um, a lot of the original history of our tariffs. And there's a lot of interesting stories, a lot of uh, stories that, uh, you know, are um, pretty wild. We can't really, can't really talk about them too much. <laughs> um, but it involves around a lot of alcohol and drugs um, at the beginning. So um, a lot of dirtbag climbers kind of started the company. So... Um, a lot of meetings were held at a, a local Linwood pub, <laughs> and even when they ran out of beer, they would uh, take the forklift and drive down the road, down the highway. Basically, it's called the Dullerton Highway, and pick up flats of beer and, and from from them and and buy out buy out all their their uh, off sales beer and go back to their office because the offices are really close uh, to that pub years ago. So there's all kinds of funny stories about that. I'm still learning about some as well. Um, also the um, kind of the benefits of the, of, of the uh, archive it also supports our Rebird uh, programs. We have a pretty big Rebird program. We just opened a, a store in New York and we're opening a new one in, um, in Kitsilano, which is a, a kind of a borough, I guess, of Vancouver. And uh, the Rebird program, is to do with like um, used gear. Um, and we have a used gear, what's called Regear Now website. And so people can sell back their older products in good condition, get a, um, a certain percentage back from it, and then use that money towards buying a brand new product from our tariffs online or in one of the brand stores. Um, we also have um, in the New York location, you can send in your product and we can uh, determine if we can repair it or not. And they will try to repair it right there if they can uh, with simple uh, zipper slider repairs. Uh, if they can't, they'll send it back here to, the, to our factory to repair it. Um, and they'll get that all set up for you. So it's kind of a, a one-touch 
a one-stop shop kind of place where you can take in your um, lightly used um, and damaged products and see if we can repair them. So we want to keep those products out there. And so it's that whole circularity uh, of the products life cycle that we're really pushing for. And so the, this, the archive also supports that. Um, and some future things I'm looking at, I'm talking to the materials team and the color team and trying to collect a lot of their, uh, um, you know, uh, previous colors that they've used over different years and, and different materials. Yeah. Instead of throwing them out or, or giving them away, um, we, I want to be able to try and collect them. And um, I actually made a, a member years ago, I made a, a whole book of fabrics and um, had little sheets that would, uh, like a, like a swatch of samples and, and to explain all the different materials. Cause we've gone through so many materials, stretch woven fabrics, insulations, uh, types of Gore-Tex textiles over the years. So it's interesting. I'd like to, I like collecting that. I like teaching people about that kind of stuff too. And the differences and the similarities and what would work better for that, you know, the package and all those things, the things I learned from our designers and our research and design team, uh, some of them been around a long time. So um, kind of that's kind of the other um, benefit of having an archive. Um, <clears throat> also, it's just really important to document what, um, what and how we how we developed our, a lot of our new technologies and previous technologies, um, and we've just started uh, posting them. Actually, there's about three right now. You can see on our on our website um, some of the technologies that we developed over the years. We still use them today. Some we don't use um, them today, but there's tons that we've developed. They helped um, create. A, helped invent the watertight zipper, but we didn't want to be known as a watertight zipper company. So we basically sold the uh, patent or gave the patent away to YKK because um, <clears throat> uh, we wanted to be known for apparel and hard goods. And so that was one of our vapor technology was another one that we developed uh, thermal lamination with our uh, vapor harnesses, and our bore backpacks. And uh, even today, the packs that we use today in, in the um, some of the uh, suspension systems um, so those are really important to uh, document as well. And it's also to, um, we have a design thinking mentality here at Terex and everything we do. So we try to understand uh, the problem and uh, we challenge the assumptions of what's out there already and try to think of it in a different way. And then constantly prototyping and then testing and testing, testing, and then have to go back to prototyping and testing. And also just building the tools to build the tool. Uh, we've had to build a lot of tools. Our thermal lamination uh, technology came from an old uh, pizza hut oven um, that we um, reconfigured um, and uh, turned into the first thermal lamination oven or baking oven. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing. I don't have, we don't have that anymore. Unfortunately, we don't. And then just staying true to the original vision of the company. Um, <clears throat> and we call it innovation at the point of extreme, evolve, um, timeless, simplicity. Uh, there's always some aesthetic um, uh, background or uh, to each piece that we use um, and obsessive design and always challenging the norms. So that's a lot of the um, uh, looking back on that um, kind of keeps us staying true to that to that today. And, and so that's kind of... Um, that's kind of the thing that I'm working on right now. I don't have really that many pictures to show you because I don't have a, a singular space. We have a lot of uh, pictures up on the on the walls now, and and basically they're like photos that we've um, took from some of our old catalogs 
basically in the front of our office, we do have uh, some displays of some of the older products, some old sewing machines, Dave Lane's original sewing machine, a Singer sewing machine that he learned to sew on in his basement in East Vancouver. Um, and we have a lot of photos of different years, um, starting beginning in 1989 with Dave Lane and later on. And it was originally called Rock Solid. I don't know if you guys know that, um, but we had to change the name due to a movie that was going to be coming out um, shortly after. Um, I think it was called uh, Monkey Game, if you believe. <laughs> I just found out about this. I thought it was another movie. Um, and um, it had, we were supposed to have some of our harnesses uh, in it and we didn't, and, and, and Rock Solid at the time was Mount Nukivin Co-ops. Um, that was their promise. Uh, their warranty, their guarantee. So we couldn't use it if we, we were fear that we, we were copying um, another company's um, kind of statement or mission statement or, um, you know, possibility of being sued, uh, which we have been sued many times, by the way, uh, over many different things from like the color Kermit to the color Tabasco to many other, other things. And those are interesting stories too. But um, um, yeah, so <clears throat> going back on that, we have a lot of uh, different, things like that in the front of our office and some key photos. Um, and so it's a kind of a museum type of, of exhibition, uh, but I would love to um, get going a museum. And we're even talking about a possibility of a traveling museum. We're not sure yet. Um, like a container that goes around to different um, sites, different cities where brand stores are possibly and show it off that way. Also an e-museum, which is well something that I'm going to be working on and looking into once we just get everything settled as far as a stable place to put things. Because right now it's just uh, a little bit of all over, uh, even some in my, my basement. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a little scary um, keeping these things. Nothing is really locked away right now. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.